The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, member of the Wells, on November 2, 2014, based on Matthew 10, verses 16 through 23. The Holy Gospel is recorded in Matthew chapter 10, beginning with the 16th verse. Jesus prepares us to face the hardships that come as we stand firm on God's truth, standing firm against the false teachings and following Christ. These words will also serve as the sermon text. Jesus says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. This is the word of our Lord. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the words of Jesus are brought to us here today is the Gospel, Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 23. Please listen to the opening words again. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Jan von Esch und Hendrik Vos. Have you ever heard those names before? They were contemporaries of Martin Luther, living at the same time. And they also joined uh, an Augustinian monastery, like Luther did, before He or they knew the full truth of the gospel. But unlike Luther, they did not live in Saxony, Germany. They lived in Antwerp, which would be in modern-day Belgium. But in the year 1522, their whole monastery began following the teachings of Martin Luther. This was only five years after Luther posted those 95 theses in 1517, October 31st. The Reformation had already spread outside of Germany up to the Belgium lands, the low country. And all the monks in this monastery began confessing, just as Luther did. They confessed that every Christian is a priest who can approach God through Christ without needing someone who was ordained by a bishop to intercede for them. They confessed 
that the scriptures and not papal decrees or church laws were the only foundation for faith and life. They confessed that forgiveness comes only through faith in God's promise that Jesus' blood pays for our sins. Now, the Roman Catholic bishop who had jurisdiction was not happy about this monastery following Luther's teachings. And so he had all the monks arrested and interrogated. And when they began to realize that they could be burnt alive for following Luther's teachings, many of them recanted. They said they no longer believed what Luther taught. And they were released. That's all Jan van Esch and uh, Hendrik Voss had to do. Just say that they no longer believed Luther's teachings. Then they too would have been released. But they did not. We can't. Oh, they were interrogated some more and questioned some more by the Roman Catholic authorities, but they still refused. And so the church leaders handed them over to the governing authority, to the secular government in Brussels to be sentenced to death. And even then, they were given more opportunities to change their mind and recant, but they refused. And on July 1st, 1523, they were burnt alive, the first Lutheran martyrs. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. Just as Jesus warned his first disciples that they would suffer even at the hands of their own countrymen, so also throughout history, those who have held to God's truth have also suffered, sometimes at the hands of those who also claim to be Christian. Now, God has blessed you and me with a time and place where the government does not arrest and torture us for following Jesus. And we give thanks for that. And yet we still face the temptation to compromise God's truth. We still face the temptation to hide our faith so that we fit in better with the world around us and and don't have to face the ridicule that comes for believing what Jesus says. Jesus sent his disciples out like sheep among wolves. But we're tempted to stay hidden in the barn so that our social and economic status stays secure. Jesus' words, though, emboldened his first disciples to be his witnesses, to testify about him even in the face of persecution and death. Won't his words also embolden you and me, dear friends, no matter what we face from this world, no matter what troubles or ridicule, Jesus' words embolden us to be his witnesses. That's the theme we want to keep in mind here today. Jesus' words embolden us to be his witnesses. He says here, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Yes, Jesus knew what lay ahead for the disciples, and yet he sent them out anyway. He takes the responsibility. And that's the first part we want to look at here. Jesus sends them out even though he knows what lies ahead for them. And you remember from the gospel how Jesus described some of that persecution, that that, that 
It would even tear families apart, brother against brother, child against, uh, father against child, children against parents. And Jesus is very clear why this would happen. Notice what he says. On my account, he says, you will be brought before governors and kings. And then later he adds, you will be hated by everyone because of me. He takes the responsibility. Now don't get me wrong here. Jesus is not guilty. He's not the one to blame. The fault lies with the unbelief that rejects his message. But in the same way, it is true that if we turned our backs on Jesus, if we gave up on his message, then the world would be much more accepting of us. And in that sense, following Jesus brings these troubles, these things that Jesus himself says would come. He takes the responsibility And what a comforting truth that must have been for those first disciples. For you see how easy it would have been for them to second-guess themselves. As they went out and and preached about Jesus and started causing problems, you can imagine what thoughts could go through their minds. Maybe all this trouble is is God's way of of telling me I should be quiet. Maybe maybe I, I shouldn't be speaking this message if it's going to stir up problems like this. Or maybe I've really messed things up because look at the the trouble that's coming because of the words I'm speaking. But then, then they could remember what Jesus said here. He is the one who sent them out. He is the one who told them to be his witnesses. They could say to themselves, yes, Jesus sent me. I am his witness. And in fact, he even said that these problems and troubles would happen. In fact, he said they would happen because of his name, because of that message which would draw the hatred of the world. And so also, dear friends, don't be surprised by ridicule or other troubles that come as you serve as a witness for Jesus, as your words and lifestyle testify about God's truth. Don't be surprised by the troubles that come. But remember, remember Jesus has sent you. He has made you his witness. He takes the responsibility. So know God's truth. And don't be afraid to speak it and live it. Take his word to heart and let it shine out into the darkness, even though the darkness fights against it. You are his witnesses. He has sent you and me. And as we carry on this work that Jesus has given us to do, also put into practice his words here, therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Now how do we do that? Well, a snake can move along unnoticed. It draws no attention to itself as it goes through the tall grass. And in the same way, as we share the message of Jesus, do it in a way that does not draw attention to yourself. Be smart about it. Yes, get the message out there loud and clear, but not in a way that stirs up unnecessary controversy 
or by using things that go beyond God's word that just attract the world's hatred all the more. Be smart about it. Get that message out there as you share it with winsome tact and genuine love, not with that in-your-face, I'm-ready-to-fight kind of attitude. Be smart about it. Be shrewd as snakes, as Jesus said here. And yet, don't let this kind of shrewdness, this smartness, become something that is ruled by our human thoughts or the world's ideas of the best way to do it. That's why Jesus says here and adds, be as innocent as doves. The word translated innocent means pure, unmixed, as we share God's message. We don't want to do it in a way that mixes guile or deception with it. We don't want to resort to sinful methods as a way to avoid the world's, world's hatred. And we don't want to mix God's truth with any kind of falsehood or lie. For example, the shrewdness of this world says, tone down God's law so that others don't get so upset by it. But we keep God's message pure and unmixed as we proclaim his law with all its crushing weight that that comes down on us and shows us just how helpless and hopeless we are on our own, that shows us just how sinful we are and in need of God's salvation. The shrewdness of this world says to broaden the appeal of the gospel by letting people take a little bit of credit so that they can feel that they've contributed their part. But we keep God's message pure and unmixed as we proclaim Jesus alone as the one and only Savior from sin and death, God's Son, who died and rose for sinners, for all sinners. He alone brings us eternal life, not due to our works or efforts, but by grace alone. This is God's unconditional promise, received by faith alone, so all the credit and glory goes to God alone. Yes, dear friends, serve as God's witnesses. Go out. Go out as sheep among wolves with the shrewdness of snakes and the innocence of doves. Go out knowing that Jesus himself has sent you as his witness. So be bold. Be bold in your testimony about Jesus Christ. Be bold no matter what the world may do to you. Remember Jesus himself said these troubles and ridicule and hardships and hatred would come. Be bold as you share that message with winsome tact and uh, genuine love. And be bold because Jesus sends you the spirit of your Father. And that brings us to the second point here. Jesus says... When they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. What words of comfort and hope and promise. First of all, let's focus just on those two words, your Father. How remarkable that is. I am just a created creature a sinful creature at that. In fact, I began life 
in rebellion against God, and I still daily sin, falling short of what God's law requires. And you know where I'm coming from because you're in the same place. And yet despite what I am, Jesus paid for my sins on the cross. In baptism, he gave me rebirth into his family through that water and word. And he tells me to call on the almighty, holy God as my own dear father. And through faith in Jesus, the almighty is your father, dear Christian. In baptism, Jesus gave you rebirth into God's family. Your sins are washed away by Jesus' blood. Since God is your Father in heaven through faith in Jesus Christ, won't he take care of you no matter what happens? Won't he guard and protect you and me no matter how the world may rage against us as we testify about Jesus, as we serve as his witnesses? Yes, the world can do a lot of negative things. Sometimes people suffer economic loss because of following Jesus. Someone may may, may choose to, to not work those extra hours so they can spend time with Jesus. And their income is less. Others have actually been held back in their career, even lost their job because of their faith in Jesus. But your Heavenly Father, He will certainly provide for us what we need as we need it. And when we face the ridicule of the world, again, remember that you have the approval of your Heavenly Father. What is the world's ridicule compared to having the approval of God Himself? Well, you see, He sees us through Jesus. He sees you and me as His own dear children clothed with his son, Jesus Christ, for through faith in Jesus, you are dressed in his righteousness. And what is more, your heavenly Father has given you and me the greatest gift of all, the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus promises here. The Holy Spirit has been given to us so that when we face these situations, we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry when we are called on to be a witness for our Savior, whether that's in front of a friend or a neighbor or even a hostile judge. At this time, now we want to prepare ourselves, of course. We want to fill our hearts with God's Word, for God's Word. The Scriptures are the Holy Spirit's tool. That's how the Holy Spirit comes to us and fills us. And so we fill ourselves with His Word. But then don't worry as, as, and when the time comes, the Holy Spirit will give you the right words to speak. He will bring them back to mind at the time that you need them. Trust the Lord's promise and how that emboldens us to be his witnesses. And finally, we can serve as his witnesses with boldness and courage because Jesus saves. He saves the one who remains faithful, who stands firm to the end. No matter what the world may heap on us, the ridicule, shame, even even death itself, Jesus saves. 
He said, you have his promise here. The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Hold on to that promise, dear friend. Hold on to it with that full confidence of faith. Hold on to it no matter what the world throws at you. Jan van Esch und Hendrik Voss held on to that promise even as their bodies were destroyed by the flames. And even though these words that we still sing were not yet written, they would have fit well on Jan and and Hendrik's lips and do what they will, hate, steal, hurt, or kill, though all may be gone, our victory is won. The kingdom ours remaineth. The man who wrote those words also knew what it meant to stand before a hostile judge with your life on the line because of your faith. In 1521, two years before Jan and Henrik's execution, Martin Luther was summoned to the city of Worms to stand before Charles V, who was the Holy Roman Emperor, the King of Spain and its New World territories. He was ordered to recant what he had been teaching, to take it all back. He was not given an opportunity to defend himself or to explain his teaching. And he well knew that his life was on a line. Years earlier, a man by the name of John Huss, who had taught similar things to Luther, had been burnt alive for those teachings. But the next day, before this court, Luther said, unless I am convinced by the testimonies of the Holy Scripture or evident reason, I am bound by the Scriptures. My conscience has been taken captive by the word of God. I am neither able nor willing to recant, for it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Amen. Jesus' words emboldened Luther to stand firm and be a faithful witness. And Jesus' words embolden us as well. The Lord in his mercy and and wisdom protected Luther from execution. But even if Luther had faced the fires, that would not have changed what he said there. He was convinced that his testimony would bring him death. Yes, Jesus' words emboldened him. And Jesus' words emboldened us as well. Stand firm, dear friends. Stand firm with your conscience held captive by the word of God as you testify about your Savior, Jesus Christ. As the Holy Spirit brings to mind the words for you to say, speak them, confident that Jesus saves. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.